Hello and welcome to the Fuck a Diet podcast. I am your host, Caroline Dooner, and this is a podcast about diet culture. It's a really casual podcast too. Okay, all right, just warning you. Okay, all right, let's get started. Hello, everybody. I am coming to you from the shore again from my parents' house. However, this past week, I had to drive up to Philadelphia to get some mail, and I grabbed the microphone, so I'm not doing it from my phone anymore. Thank God. This episode, um, okay, what do I want to say? In this episode, I'm going to be sharing my conversation that I had with Edie Stark. If you don't follow her, she's Edie Stark Therapy on Instagram. She is a licensed therapist. She's fat positive. She's an eating disorder specialist. She's a certified intuitive eating counselor. And she's awesome. And we had this conversation back in April. And I was planning on sharing the conversation in May or June because we're talking a lot about quarantine and about the pandemic and about the difficult things that everyone was going through in the beginning especially working from home and boundaries and self-care and how to balance productivity and rest and taking care of yourself and then our whole cultural conversation shifted for a little while in a good way about racism and I kind of put this episode in the back burner. I used some other episodes. I talked to some new people. I talked about privilege. I sort of of just shifted the focus of this podcast in a way that I think was really necessary. However, at a certain point, I was like, hmm, did that conversation with Edie, is that still applicable to now? Is it too specific? Is it, was it too specific to that sort of early quarantine. And so I listened to our conversation again, and I think that there's a lot of stuff that we talk about that is still very, very relevant to what we're all still going through. Um, So I just wanna give some, uh, well, I guess what I'll do is I will wait and I will give you my sort of caveats right before I play the conversation with you, but first, I want to do a couple things before I give my caveats and share this, the conversation with you. And it's a long conversation. It's an hour long conversation. So if you're listening to this, you can probably tell that this is a very long episode, um, but hopefully it's filled with helpful things and interesting things and things that you can take little nuggets, little bite-sized chunks um, of uh, helpful tidbits, helpful tidbit nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. Am I good at talking? I don't think so. So before I share our conversation, I want to read a listener story. And I also want to tell you that I am very excited, honestly, because I finally fucking realized that all I needed to do to benefit this podcast and me, to benefit people who want to share their anti-diet and body liberation work and to hopefully benefit you guys who are looking for more people to follow and more people to learn from. I have started selling ad spots to aligned and vetted, I vet all these people if I don't know them already, coaches and businesses and people and practitioners who are anti-diet and body freedom related. These are a lot of coaches who do body liberation work, 
It will be anti-diet dietitians. It will be free lessons that people are offering. It'll be anti-diet and anti-diet culture exercise people and exercise um, programs. There's one that I'm going to be sharing today. And I'm only going to share about two or three per episode, but these are people who are paying for ad spots, but they're also fully aligned people that I endorse and think would be great people to follow. So hopefully it's a win-win-win for all. And all of the people that I share, I recommend that you go follow. Even if you don't want what they're offering, the service that they're offering, they're awesome people to follow on Instagram. And I think that they'll be really helpful. So without wasting any more time, I'm just going to share the first two sponsors of this episode with you. And the first is therapist and boundaries coach, Caitlin Olson. Healthy boundaries are vital to healing your relationship with weight and food, especially because we are all surrounded by friends and families and coworkers and magazines and a whole internet, all firmly entrenched in diet culture. Caitlin Olson is a health at every size informed licensed therapist, as well as a boundaries coach, as I've already said, and she offers one-on-one and small group coaching to help you learn how to supplement your body and food freedom with clear and stable boundaries. You can find her work on Instagram at therapy with Caitlin, or you can check out the link in this episode's show notes. All of the links for all of the sponsors will be in the show notes. So be sure to check them out and follow along because they're all great people to follow. Our next sponsor is for anyone who is looking to get back into exercise while staying at home and not wanting to be bombarded by diet culture's toxic messages because diet culture has hijacked exercise and made it all about manipulating our bodies, but it should not be that way. And it doesn't have to be that way. Unmeasured is a virtual bar membership. That's all about intuitive movement and body celebration for just $25 a month. You get access to a virtual library of do anywhere bar classes, all created and run by anti-diet bar instructor, Simibotic. And I've been doing these. I like to do the 20 minute ones because they're the shorter ones. And the movements are so simple. I've never actually done bar before. The movements are so simple and accessible, but they're actually very, very difficult and hard. And they really uh, require you to engage a lot of your core muscles. And maybe that's because I let my muscles atrophy during quarantine, but I have been enjoying these a lot. And I usually take all of her modifications to make it easier and she offers lots and lots of modifications to make it very accessible. I've been really, really enjoying it. And you can find the link for Unmeasured in the show notes and enjoy a fun, intuitive relationship with movement that celebrates your body exactly as you are. Now, let me share an email that I got from a listener this past week. They said, hello, Caroline. I'm just listening to the podcast from August 2nd about binging and binge eating disorder, and I just wanted to share my recovery story with you. I was diagnosed with an eating disorder stemming from deep childhood trauma a year ago by my therapist, which was later confirmed as binge eating disorder by my health at every size dietitian. I had been working on intuitive eating with my dietitian for months when I stumbled upon your book, which I bought as an audiobook to take with me on my lockdown walks. As I was walking up the hill behind my house, I could tell you the exact moment it all clicked for me. Just eat. Just fucking eat. You are allowed to eat. You should eat. You should feel full. 
You should have energy. You should not be tired. You should not be constantly sick. You should not be ashamed. Your book probably saved me months, years of work with my dietitian. In fact, she was amazed at my progress at my next session where I was just screaming about how I am allowed to eat and restriction is the devil. In hindsight, I think your book made me realize that although I didn't think I was restricting, I had a million unspoken rules about food that I followed, quote unquote, for my own good and quote unquote, to be healthy and quote unquote, to not get fat. The worst thing that I thought could happen to me. And they were all bullshit. They were the scaffolding propping up my eating disorder, and that's what your book helped me undo. I'm better <laughs> I really try not to cry. I'm better now. Thank you, Sophie. <sighs> I just, you know, I just love hearing stuff like that. I love hearing stuff like that because, believe me, guys, I get enough people who fucking hate me that to hear that what I'm doing and saying and sharing is, is helpful. It's always nice to hear. It's always nice to hear because again, there are people who fucking hate anything non-diet. You know, they think it's the most irresponsible thing in the world. And I know it, but it's still hard to field, you know, so it is really nice to hear stuff like this. So thank you, Sophie. Okay, I'm going to share my conversation with Edie Stark with you, but before I do, I just want to give a couple disclaimers. First one, I said in the conversation, which was only five to six weeks into the quarantine, and now we're five going on six months into this worldwide shit show, well, also country shit show, but also worldwide pandemic situation. Uh, I said I only cried one day. Well... I eventually cried every day. I think that was like June and July. Um, but I'm not crying anymore, so that's good. Um, I also talk about how Tiny Head came to be. And if you don't follow me on Instagram, you won't know what Tiny Head is. But uh, Tiny Head is for... Wait, what? I wrote, I wrote these notes. Tiny Head is for people who don't follow me on Instagram. That doesn't make any sense. I think what I meant to say is... People who don't follow me on Instagram won't understand what I mean by tiny head, but it's this stupid filter that I started using where it's this tiny floating upside down mouth. And it's become this, first it was a hacker, now it's my employee. This little tiny head sings in a little tiny voice and does, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, it's fun for me. Some people hate tiny head, some people love tiny head. You know, I can't please them all. Uh, we also talk about lots of early quarantine stuff, which is obvious. Uh, we talk about um, a lot. Well, we talk about me watching the Marvel movies. That's like when I was watching all those Marvel movies. I talk about Sebastian Stan, who was my husband at the time. We are now broken up. And, you know, that's really it. There aren't really that many caveats that I have. We talk a lot about boundaries when we work at home and self-care and how to balance productivity and self-care so that's why I'm sharing it with you yes there are things that are very specific to that time of that like the early lockdown but I still think there are so many things that we talk about and also that Edie says and Edie shares 
that will be really helpful and applicable to this new life that we're all living for the foreseeable future where so many of us are working from home. So I really hope that you enjoy it. She's wonderful and please go follow her on Instagram as well. Again, I know I'm going to say this over and over again, but the show notes have all of the links to the people that I'm talking to and also the people who are sponsoring this podcast who are really great follows. So always go follow all of them. They're going to be really helpful. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Edie Stark. And like when we originally connected about doing this, it was before all of this happened right or was it I think it was right in the beginning I feel like it was like but at this point that it's like six weeks ago like that is so (laughs) crazy I can't even I mean do you feel like it's going fast yes and no like I I think if I look so I also was in Europe when all of this oh right down um so I feel like I have like a like hyper drive into this because we were abroad and all of these announcements were going on. Like they were closing the borders that were. Oh in my Korea. god, that must but have been so freaky. It was, it was so wild. Like I, we were like, and we really had to be like, we are in this situation, so it's like we can definitely, you know, pay a lot of money to change our flights and go home right now to be safe, or we can kind of like take what the experts are saying that like they're not going to let not let Americans back in and that they haven't closed down any of the cities yet right um, and stay because this is our it was the first time my husband had ever been to Europe I hadn't been back in 10 years um so we were like really bummed but then we're like you know what the experts are saying it's okay for us to be here right now so we ended up staying but it was uh, that's good really wild timing because like we were in Paris when that like big news broke that they were potentially going to like close borders um (laughs) and then uh, we left Paris uh the next day which was the plan anyway to go back to the UK which is where we were flying out of Uh, and I think like two days later they shut Paris down so it was like we were just like ahead of the curve um and then we flew back the day before they put the uk restriction on so it was which was already the plan um just kind of worked out it did uh so that like looking back at that it feels like that was like a year ago yes yes (laughs) um but also was like five minutes ago like yeah i can't believe that it's been so long that this has been the norm but also it feels like days are either like flying by or going at like a snail's pace. yeah I mean I I was truly shocked when I realized that it had been four weeks I was like we've been doing this for four weeks and that feels like yesterday I today I looked at my calendar and I was like okay so when did this really start like I, I tried to figure because I, you know, I feel like there was maybe a week of like a little bit softer quarantine when like nothing was actually really closed yet in the middle of March. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. people were self-quarantining just to be sure because they thought that they'd come in contact or whatever. And I wasn't really doing anything then. I was still like, I I already worked from home. So I was like, well, I don't really see that many people anyway. I'm going to just keep working in a cafe and keep like doing my thing until, you know, I learn more. So. But anyway, I just went to like look at how many weeks and I was like, oh my God, this is the beginning of the sixth week that this entire city has been closed. And I 
can't believe, I cannot believe that. Like, I really do feel like I'm in some sort of kind of like a really weird time warp where every day goes so fast, but I spend a lot of it being like, Oh my God, like, what am I supposed to be doing? And like, I, I'm tr- yeah. trying to, I also got, maybe this is also part of it, but I got, um, a second book deal, like Ooh. the day that the world shut down. <laughs> Wow. What timing. Awesome. Right. It's like, uh, so I felt like I felt like financially, I was like, okay, well, at least for a year, at least for a year, I like will have some money. Right. Um, and I, and I have a project and it's like, I felt so lucky, but now I'm like trying to force myself to really write it. And I, I'm struggling. Understandably. It's like, I don't know how to focus. It's about rest and we're in quarantine. So I have to like, I have to like grapple with that and like talk Mm -hmm. about that. It's actually weirdly helpful because I'm able to say, look, we're all forced to be doing nothing, but we're all so exhausted. We're all stressed out of our minds. And that that's not rest. Like I'm able to define rest by like how, how we think it is even like based on the lens of this quarantine. So it's actually kind of good, but Anyway, yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I am kind of just holding on. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, that's such a valid point. And I remember like when you, you posted like that almost like exact quote of like, this is not rest. It yes. was like uh, my brain did that like exploding brain emoji where I was like, <laughs> that's why I'm so out of source because it's yes. like, you know, there's part of it that is really lovely. Like not having obligations to go do things, being able to like, have slower pace to be able to you know I've been like really enjoying cooking and baking new things and like having the brain capacity to do that but on the other side it's like I'm so tired all the time and I was like why I'm not quote-unquote doing anything but I am because I'm working through a mass pandemic of anxiety and trauma exactly exactly and as a therapist you are fielding so much of that yes um, which is interesting. And, you know, I've talked with other colleagues about this, of like, this is the first time in most of our professional careers who are on like mm. the, you know, younger end where we've been experiencing the same thing that they're experiencing in some capacity. And like, you know, the, the comparison was after 9-11, right? Mm, like therapists right. in that time zone were also experiencing this mass trauma and fear-based living. Right. And now we're holding space for it while also experiencing it, which I actually think has been, for me at least, and I will speak from my personal experience, um, has been really incredibly like healing um, mm-hmm. because it's that compassionate, that shared compassion. And instead yeah. of, you know, having this like weird boundary of like, yes, you're in pain and I'm not, it's right. like, we're both going through this and I don't have to give you like a skill set or a coping set and like hang up and everything's fine. It's like, we're both working through it and we can share in that experience together in a really beautiful yeah. way. That's so nice. That makes a lot of sense actually. And I, I, I feel like the more I see people sharing that they are having a hard time in like, in hard ways to define, right? Like productivity feels hard. There's this pressure that we're putting on ourselves for productivity, but expecting ourselves to be able to produce or write or whatever, or do our jobs the way we used to is like an unfair ask. But 
just hearing people talk about that and really, and not being like, I'm having a great time. I, you know, <laughs> I think it's so helpful and it, and it, it's so validating to be like, oh yeah, I'm allowed to be not knowing how I feel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think too, it's like, it can change and that's okay. And I, you know, I just had a conversation with a couple of um, clients that it was, it's interesting. And I don't know if you've heard this from speaking with other professionals, but my weeks often have like themes, even though my clients don't know each other in any capacity. That's so, so cool. Like, yeah. This, you know, idea that keeps coming up in different ways and with different people. And what's been coming up is this idea of like guilt or shame that they're not having a harder time on mm. days when it's like feeling okay. Right. And I think that's such an interesting concept that our brains are capable of giving us a hard time and our parts are coming up around shame and guilt when we're not suffering. Right. And it's like, there's no, like grief is so complex. And just because you might be having a joyful experience doesn't take away from the past, the fact that like you might have been suffering yesterday. Right. And like, you don't need to make it legitimate. It doesn't need to be miserable a hundred percent of the time. Right. Right. I got a question from someone that said, what does it mean if I'm, yeah, very similarly, what does it mean if I'm actually really enjoying this? Now, this was like three weeks ago, right? So of course things may, may have changed, but sure. I mean, it really is an opportunity for so many people to slow down. And if you still have your job, but just get to go at a slower pace and get to do, you know, honestly, like what I craved so much four years ago when I went on my quote, two years of rest was -hmm. this for everyone to leave me alone and just let me like, (laughs) just not have all of these obligations. Now I've wondered, honestly, also because I'm writing this book about it. I've wondered whether they, if they happened at the same time for me, if it would have almost like cheapened like so much of what I had to do was like actually put up boundaries to be like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm tired. I don't want to do all of these things. I'm, I don't want to operate the way I operated before and like sort of forcing myself to uphold what I had decided that I needed. Whereas this is like kind of in one way, handing, handing us an opportunity if we are so lucky to not have other traumatic things going on to just Mm -hmm. slow down. So I, I don't know, it's super complicated, but. Yeah. I mean, I just wrote a post about this, um, of the idea of like, you can still set boundaries in this time mm-hmm. of like, just because like this so thing was like, just because you're available doesn't mean you have to be available. Yeah. Um, and I think that that can help bring empowerment back into this really disempowering experience that we're all going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and like being able to even set boundaries with yourself of like, okay, I, you know, I'm going to have time every day where I worry journal. And I think about all of the catastrophic thinking things that are coming up for me, given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to boundary myself around that because it's not helpful to run yourself into the dirt, constantly spiraling out. And so, you know, or like when family Zoom calls come up, right? Like just because you technically have time to do it doesn't mean that you're obligated to do it unless you truly want to. And that can shift and change day to day. Yes. So having that like flexibility with yourself and with others to still be able to do what you want to do in this time, even if that looks completely different from how that looked 
prior to this all starting. I think um, that's going, so important. Yeah. And going back to the question from the person who's enjoying it, like, that's rad. Like, yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> I think that's like, ideal. If you can, like, spend the majority of your time, like, living in the silver lining of this, that would be ideal. That's not possible for everybody right now. But if you okay. can, do it. Please. Yeah. Enjoy yeah. this as much as you possibly can, because, you know, there are going to be ripple effects that we cannot even foresee yet. And we don't know what it's going to be like. So we may as well enjoy the pieces that we can. Absolutely. And like, you know, I, that's saying like misery loves company, you know, but so mm -hmm. does joy. I and know. if you can find joy in this and like spread that joy in a way, you know, that feels good for you, it's going to probably help other people. Yes. If everyone is constantly only like sharing and posting, I'm talking like social media wise, like about like the misery of this. Well, I understand and that's valid because there's people who are really experiencing true heart-wrenching misery right now. Mm -hmm. We also need to have light, right? We need to have a balance of that and not just solely focus on the good or solely focus on the bad and the sad, but have, you know, the both and in this situation. Yes. Yes. And about how you're talking about boundaries and not having to do every call that somebody wants, you know, that your family wants you to do or friends want you to do. It's a very weird thing because what I'm actually finding is nothing in my work life has actually really changed in fact, I have more work than I usually have because now I actually have this book deal and I'm gonna, mm -hmm. like, I, everything sort of lined up where right as the quarantine was starting, I was like, oh, wow, I have like three big projects that I don't usually have that are all happening right now. Wow. But, but I still have this kind of like subconscious feeling that I should be having all of this free time. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I constantly feel like shocked that the day is ending <laughs> and like, and stress, like I have, and I did a little bit of identifying of it and I was able to like loosen it up a little bit and that was really helpful, but I still have this weird dissonance where I'm like, I should have all this free time right now. And why don't I, like, why do I actually feel busier or like there are more obligations or, um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Even just all like the social things like this is somehow I have more like social calls <laughs> yeah, than I yeah. ever had before. You know what I mean? So totally. it's just really odd. I mean, that's just what I keep coming back to. I'm like, everything about this just feels so weird. And I don't even know how to wrap my head around even just like the day to day, you know? Yeah. And I think that that makes so much sense though, because it's like when we take a step back and like out of this current situation, right? Like we have a lot of flexibility in the sense of like, we get to kind of choose when we're going to go to like happy hour mm -hmm. or we're going to fly home to see family or we're going to, you know, we have to go home because we have to, you know, take the dog out. Mm -hmm. But when that mm -hmm. type of like physical capacity boundary stuff goes away, like, of course, it's going to feel more overwhelming. Right. And I think, too, yeah. the idea that, like, this, there's that, like, kind of toxic productivity stuff going on, too, out there. Like, you should be writing the next novel is actually one of the 
Uh, I know you, you are in fact writing <laughs> a new book, <laughs> which will be a bestseller. I'm sure. Oh God, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yes, that you, if that's what you want to do, like, awesome, go for it. But also knowing that like, you still have like your just basic needs that we need to meet, like getting enough sleep, hydrating, nourishing yourself, you know, like watching mindless TV to like help decompress after your day yes. at work. We were going to, I think that's what we actually were going to talk about. I feel like that's what we connected. We we're like, can we get together and just talk about how, like, weren't we going to talk about TV? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we were going to talk about how to like navigate liking really kind of like vapid TV yes. that also has like pretty crappy, Are you, can we swear on here? Oh, yes. Of okay. Really like shitty diet culture bullshit. Yes. Um, roped into it. And like I've been, because I've been consuming way more TV than I normally do um, and podcasts and all of that. And I've, and Instagram. And like I've been really wrestling with like some of my favorite people who are just spewing such nonsense. I know. And like how to hold the both and of that. Of like, yes, this gives me, you know, joyous laughter relief and then it makes me really angry because yes. they do an ad for some weight loss thing or yes like on podcasts and stuff yeah yeah or like on you know bravo when they're like just being really fat phobic and oh, like what do how do know. how do like how do we do it and I don't have unfortunately I wish I had like a beautiful answer to this of like this is what you need to do but I think it's important to just start to have the conversation of the impact that that can have, especially with increased consumption of these platforms. Yeah, and agreed. How to hold space for that. I think about this all of the time. And, you know, it is interesting because when I think back to my, like my actual experience of becoming anti-diet and going on the fuck a diet and starting to write, about the fuck a diet, I did not, I took like a huge, almost accidental break from watching a lot of TV and from mm -hmm. like consuming media the way that I had before. And it was so helpful because I just got a break from like the brainwashing, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the past couple years, and it was actually with when I, it was like four years into my own journey that I was like, okay, I'm exhausted. And I need, I need to like apply a similar thing to my entire life and all of the expectations that I put on myself with a million other things. Um, and I was like, and I am going to get a TV and get cable and uh, and get all like I <laughs> I was like I'm just going to give myself all of the TV that I haven't been watching yeah and I love it so much like I love stories I just I think you know it it's really it is the way my brain works so there's so much of it that I genuinely love but I cannot believe the like the diet ads constantly especially on Bravo there are so many of them mm -hmm. um and and so I really do think, I mean, I think that without awareness and without like a lot of critical thinking about it and being very, very, very aware of like the subtle ways that it definitely, <laughs> Molly, stop it, stop it. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so mad. She's growling. It's, she hears something outside that's pissing her off. This episode of the Fuck It Diet podcast is brought to you by Dietitian Anna. 
And if we aren't already connected on Instagram, please join along as I talk about eating disorder recovery, body image healing, and all things anti-diet. As something special, I invite you to join the Virtual Connection community. Every Monday, I donate an hour of my time to talk to you on Instagram Live. Bring a meal or a snack and questions. Even more special, Virtual Connection happens on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with Christina Johnson, Haley Goodrich, and Brie Campos. All of these conversations are free of charge and happen on Instagram Live. I can't wait to connect with you. Again, this is this is the thing that I can't even, there's nothing I could do about this. Yeah. I, do you know what I mean? Like even like before I could have actually gotten her watched and I sometimes did when I would do podcast interviews, but there's just, there's no way. Yeah. It's just, and it's like real life. I don't, you know, <laughs> every, literally this is like, I'm actually really surprised he has it. Yeah. Anytime I'm on any sort of call, um, bacon barks every time. <laughs> Like I pick my phone up or I open the computer and he'll either sit right on top of my computer. So I can't. Oh, he knows. He knows. Or he'll just start incessantly barking and he's quiet most of the day. And but then he he's like, have you are not stuff. paying attention to me. Yeah. <laughs> she does that when I, Molly really hates when I am recording, um, for Instagram stories, especially Tiny Head. She yes, hates I love Tiny because Head I so don't, much. You, like, I actually don't sing that often these days. Ever since I got Molly, you know, it's been like not even two years, but I haven't been acting during those times. So I, so she, like, she's now, she literally looks at me like, what the hell? Like, you are being so loud and I don't understand. Like, it's, she hates it. And she, like, tries to swap my phone out of my hands. It's a whole thing. She doesn't understand it. She does not like it. She thinks it's way too loud. So she's not a Tiny Head fan. (laughs) Tiny Head has been one of the most joyous things I have found. Oh my God. I tell everyone about it. I'm like, I don't No, uh, I've gotten like a bunch of my clients on Tiny Head. Wait, you're. That's so crazy. I mean, I, I found tiny head on one day when I like finally was like, Oh, I'm not doing well. (laughs) I was like, I'm not, and not like, I'm not real. Like I, again, I, I could be doing so much worse. Like I, I've only really cried consistently one day out of this entire thing. So like, I'm not doing that poorly, but I just felt fried. Like my brain Mm -hmm. felt so fried. And, and I was like, that's when I was like posting like DW from Arthur and like Tiger King cats crossover. And I was just like losing it. And I, and actually somebody, somebody messaged me and was like, did you see the Tiger King filter on Instagram stories? And I was like, what? And I opened up my Instagram stories and I started going through the filters and I couldn't find it. But what I found was tiny head. And I was like, oh my God. I just, something like came alive. <laughs> yeah. No, for real. It's like a, it's a blessing to us all. <laughs> well, it was for me too. Cause I was like, oh, this is so weird and so absurd that I feel like it's going to give me some new life. And it's like, it, I, I don't know. It's just, it totally, it is. I, I think it was a blessing to me because it allowed me to be like, you know what, Caroline? You don't have to figure out how to post about anti-diet stuff right now if you're finding it mm-hmm. hard to turn it out because I am. I'm like, ah, oh, that almost, 
it just feels like we're dealing with some other huge thing. And I, it's hard for me to even figure out how to put the two together right now, just like even to make a post, you know? Sure. I know I feel the same way. And I think it's, you know, my, where I've like, I've, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and I don't really have solid thoughts fully out, but my basic understanding is like when we're in a time of crisis, we mm-hmm. just need to get our basic needs met, right? So like going back to that, you know, sleep, hydration, safety, nourishment. And like to try and dig in deep and like change the way, you know, someone relates to food and their body right now might not even be the safest option. That's what I I sense. I really do. Um, I'm like, let's talk about this in a couple months and let's just talk about silly stuff in in the meanwhile. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously I need to put like the caveat in there. Like if you're unsafe or you're severely struggling or like, all of that you deserve to get help in whichever way that looks oh, I'm not yes. saying like avoid therapy or don't talk about it it's not at all what I mean but just this idea of the like more vast communication of it of like you know just stop caring about what you eat just eat everything right like that might not be helpful right now and that like anti-diet intuitive eating mentality but what I've found is helpful is calling out the diet bullshit yes like that's what I can do like I can point out that like this is not okay this is not normal this is not quote-unquote healthy like this is actually very disordered and to like try and bring light in a more like concrete way versus trying to navigate like truly shifting someone's relationship to food and body I totally agree I feel like I feel like I feel like to start to truly even just begin the process of healing your relationship to food during this crisis is too much to ask and probably too much to, to process for a person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we can do is say, okay, so you don't have to do anything except keep yourself going right now. However, let's just start to notice just like what you said, let's just like, very light education, right? Like, do you Mm -hmm. notice this? Do you notice that this is like such a crazy thing that we're all just so obsessed with weight gain during quarantine? Why? Why are we so obsessed with weight gain during quarantine? Um, But I do think the people who are in the middle of their journey, like basically I've heard from people who were at the very beginning and they're like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to focus. I, I just, you know, I feel so out of control. And then the people who are kind of maybe a couple months into their journey are like, Oh my God, thank the Lord that I started this process because I'm Mm -hmm. able to relax around the food that's in my house. Mm -hmm. So it just depends. It just depends. But yeah, it's, it's, it's no joke. (laughs) It's no joke. And I think too, it's so, I just want to like, I'll like normalize. Like if you've been in recovery or have been in the healing process for a while and noticing like you're struggling a lot right now like mm-hmm. of course you are because yeah. our brains while super advanced and cool are also pretty elementary in the fact that they go back to their survival survival skills that they used when they felt threatened in the past right yes. so if you're disordered eating dieting eating disorder whatever it is developed in a time where you needed it to help you to survive when your brain is getting a perceived threat of what's going on right now, like, of course, there's urges are going to be stronger and the voices are going to be stronger around those parts of you because it helped you in the past and it's trying to help you now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a lot of people are experiencing a resurgence of old, of old 
coping mechanisms and it makes mm-hmm. total sense. And just yep. the kinder that we can be to, our, to ourselves, the better. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the critical part doesn't need uh, a loud voice right now. Like we're dealing with the mask. It can take the, the bull, inner bully can take a step back right now and we can treat ourselves with kindness and compassion versus I criticism. It is crazy. Like I am noticing people, people really feeling like they aren't and I am too. I mean, I am in my own way. I'm aware of it, but I still notice it creeping in. People feel like they aren't using this time effectively. You know, like I'm not doing quarantine right. I should be doing X, Y, Z. I should be experiencing this. I should be, you know, learning another language. I should be learning how to bake sourdough and I should be, I should be getting so much more work done. You know, like that's where it is for me. And I'm, I'm aware of it, but it still keeps creeping in. So I just, yeah, yeah, it's hard. And like, I'm curious about like the shoulding, like who should, who's telling you, you should, like, why do we, why does that word, whenever I hear someone say I should something, I'm like, should you what? Like, what is, what are we comparing against? And what is this information actually coming from? What evidence do we have to support that if we learned a new language that would actually make us feel better or would it just make us feel <laughs> more overwhelmed and tired and exhausted than we already are and it's like it's not to I know that there's been this too of just like people feeling shame who are utilizing you know faking sourdough while learning French and writing a you know comic book right like they're feeling shame because people are saying like you should just sit on the couch all day like but there's like a balance of that it's like whatever is working for you and it's actually truly helping you to feel relief better secure that's great. Like, yeah. but everyone is so different. And that comparison trap is where we start to see that despair, right? Yeah. Of like, because, you know, Sally influencer is working out seven days a week, you know, and, you know, creating salads that are rainbow colored and, you know, learning all of these things. Like I'm now bad because I'm not doing that. And mm. it's like, but Sally do what she's doing. If that's mm-hmm. working for her, like has nothing to do with you. Yeah. It's so true. And I do feel like social media is making everybody compare themselves to other people on social media and their quarantine. So it is so much about comparing ourselves to other people. Whereas yep. That's never been very helpful, has it? Nope, never. Never in the history <laughs> of so, humankind, I think, has been helpful. So how has your quarantine been? What are some of the things that you are finding helpful for structure and, uh, you know, kind of relaxation? What are you, what are you turning to during the quarantine? Yeah. So it was a, you know, trial and error phase for a while. I definitely have this productivity part of myself that can be really helpful, but also can be, can go into hyperdrive and then become unhelpful Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I think the first two weeks when we got back we had to self-quarantine um so we were doing like very little and we were also like exhausted from jet lag and so I didn't do much and then I started to go a little bit stir crazy and then my productive part was like yes this is it this is our time to shine and I did way too much I like I rearranged our entire living room I like deep cleaned our apartment to like the point where I was on my hands and knees like scrubbing the baseboards. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so jealous. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and it was like great in the moment but then I was like but then I also did it too quickly and I was like had a panic after I was like I have nothing left to do oh, like, no. my house is clean I've already rearranged furniture like what am I going to do and so then I was like I need to have a balance I need to have it where I do like one to two things a day that are quote-unquote like productive mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so I can get that energy out and then I need to also really be okay with sitting with myself without a ton of distractions um, I also have been going for we are allowed to go out for walks here uh, so taking my dog out for walks and not bringing my phone has been a change Ooh, in the past two weeks that's nice and it is so nice because my screen time is um not great <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, I don't know how to even get around that it's just... yeah and it's hard because like everything is on our phone so it's like even if I'm not scrolling on Instagram or texting like my podcasts are on my phone like my right. audible books are on my phone so right. it's like I'm trying to do work in the morning too like when I'm having coffee and breakfast like I'll put on I'm listening to Untamed right now which is so Ooh, good yeah I've been meaning to listen to that I should it's, I, should I would my list. I highly recommend it and listening to it too because her voice is like so lovely oh um, good okay I'm gonna do that I'm gonna bump and that it's up. also like a very um like digestible book because it's like short little chapters um and so it's like you can kind of like take it and leave it um which I really appreciate that's um, awesome I'm going to I've been meaning to it's really great um okay, good yeah so I'm trying to you know like have intentional times where I'm not connected to technology um because I was getting really burned out um and then like as we kind of talked about in the beginning like I had a virtual practice prior to this I had both in person and virtual now everything virtual so right. I was pretty used to being home and navigating that and working right um, and being comfortable um but now I have the added I don't know if I want to use the word bonus um but my husband's also working from home ah uh, yes 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 um so we've been that was like a kind of internal you know compromise of space we have open concept um, oh, so he's been, how do you do that? What do you do? <laughs> what are you it's doing? Challenging. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but, but I've, we have, we're very like lucky enough to have a guest room that has a balcony. Um, oh, wow. So That's great. I've, I was originally in our room just because it's like really cozy in there and I love our bed, but then I was having crazy anxiety because I was doing work everything from yeah and then you literally are living a life where you're like I just live in my bed yes morning noon (laughs) and night and all night long (laughs) yeah and like I'm a not a great sleeper to begin with and this just could like knock on my ass um because I was like oh yeah I'm now in you know listening to people's other people's anxieties and absorbing that while sitting on the place I'm supposed to be sleeping I'm like you know, doing very wakeful things on my bed and associating that with my bed. So mm-hmm. we, I moved myself into our guest room and I've been trying to spend as much time out on the patio as I can. That's great. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, it's, no, it's definitely like, I'm used to having our whole place to myself during the right. work day. Right. And it's I hard. have to like tiptoe out to the kitchen to get something because he might be on a Zoom call. Yeah. I'm like, hey guys. <laughs> That is so hard. I don't have to 
I don't have to navigate any of that. I just have to deal with my dog <laughs> and she is very annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm so thankful. I don't know what I would do if it was just me. I would probably be losing it. Like truly, yeah. if I, if I didn't have at least my dog to, you know, talk to. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh yeah. Little buddy. What was I going to, oh, I had another question. Darn. I forget. It was while you were talking about working. Oh, oh, no, it was stupid. It was just about the bed. I, I, even when I'm sick, I like have to spend the daytime sickness downstairs mm-hmm. on my couch. Like I have to delineate between be- like daytime and nighttime or else I, I, I don't know. I, I, I like, I don't know how to deal and I have a lot of trouble sleeping too. So I need it to be like such a thing that my body knows like we are going to bed, you know? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I even do that with like clothing. Um, that's been really helpful for me too. Like I had, and it's, and I say this every like, I don't care if it's like daytime sweatpants yes. and nighttime sweatpants. Yes. Yes. Like, it does, Which I'm I not have. Talking about. I have daytime <laughs> sweats and nighttime sweats. Yes. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> But it's just that idea of like still having somewhat semblance of a routine of like, you know, maybe you're sleeping later because your body needs it. Like that's fine. No judgment there. But like get up and make the bed and like change out of nighttime pajamas into whatever you want to wear during the day, whether that is daytime pajamas, jeans, a dress, like whatever you do, mm-hmm, like you get to mm-hmm. be the um, decision maker in that. But really like, and like then being like, okay, so I'm going to have, you know, my coffee or my tea or my water or whatever it is that you, you know, hydrate with in the morning, like it at a, in a certain place in the house and like mm-hmm. kind of just like get yourself into that idea. And the same thing um, with like working, like this is a conversation that's come up a lot is when we're working from home, we can then associate that like we could do this work all the time, right? And like we should, we have right. no like semblance of like I'm driving to the office and, right. and I start my day and I'm driving back home and that's the end of my day. Yeah, um, so true. So I really like having some sort of like end of day routine of like, I'm done with the work part of my brain. Um, so I'm going to like go for a walk or I'm going to like really like close my computer and like be done um, or whatever it is that works for you. But having like something that feels good and it's like a little ritual for you to symbolize to your body and your mind that like the work day is done. I need to do that because I'm losing it. <laughs> yeah. It's helpful. Even <laughs> I really if it means do. like you, you have to like, you know, in my work, like sometimes shit comes up and like, I have to respond to an email or like I mm-hmm. forgot to send like some administrative thing. I'm like, I have to hop back on, but I really make it a point of like, I'm just hopping on to do this and I'm not going to get sucked into all right. the other tasks that I have. And just, like I'm done because if I don't, then I'm going to burn out and not be effective. It's so true. That is, that actually is, I I'm, feel really happy to be, to be hearing you saying this. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's why you feel this way, Caroline. It's cause I am my, my priority work. And I'm putting that in quotes is figuring out this book, right? Which there's no time. I mean, there is a deadline. It isn't till the fall, but I, I have a lot of work to do around it. And I am struggling so much that I'm like, okay, if I just can write, if I can really honestly just write for one full hour a day, that's enough. Like that's all I'm asking of myself, but I am really like, I'm genuinely struggling to focus. And so then I'll be like, okay, it's all right. Well, okay. I did a, I didn't really 
really like right for an hour. So I will take my dog for a walk, you know, our like late, you know, our late afternoon walk. And then I'll like take a shower and then, and then maybe like before dinner, I'll like try and write, like I keep pushing it. Right. I'm like, Oh, it's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll write for an hour, like at night. And it's just like, it's not working for me. It's making me go crazy. Really, truly. Like I'm not able to focus. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, so I growing up, um, was diagnosed with, uh, ADD and dyslexia. Um, and one of the most like helpful things that, uh, like learner teacher, I don't remember what they were called, but they were in this, like, we had like a, basically like a center to help for people who had learning differences and mm -hmm. I forget their actual name, but they were teachers that helped with learning. Um, she said that, um, product, uh, productivity and procrastination are under the same umbrella mm. and it's just like our how we're like fueling our anxiety and so you know it can be and as I said like I have that productivity part of me that like goes into hyperdrive and then I burn out and mm -hmm. I also have a really strong <laughs> procrastination side that's also based in the same thing of like if I don't do this, then what is my moral value? Right. right. And so like, if I don't write for an hour, then I'm a failure or whatever it is that this part is telling you, which then is just going to increase the anxiety and increase the behavior that you're hoping to change, which is in this case, like procrastination. Yeah, no, it's, it totally feeds itself. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I'm trying to balance because I know that judging my worth or judging my, um, like what's, I don't know what the word is, but like how successful, I guess my quarantine day or week is going is not actually based on how much of the book I'm able to write or figure out. But there is this, like, it is clear as day that when I can make a tiny bit of headway, just like even just the teeniest bit, like figure out one little thing, I feel so good and so okay. calm. And even if it's little, like, even if it's not that big of a deal, I'm like, okay, there's just the teeniest bit of forward momentum. Then I can close my computer. And then I'm like, let's watch Bravo. I just yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> I just need to know that. And, and I've been trying to do it, but I'm still kind of struggling with actually executing it. Like if I could just bang that out in the morning, really, then I could just relax for the entire day. You know, mm -hmm. you know, Caroline, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and right. I will add to that of like, that's like the idealistic, like, yes, that in theory, that's awesome. But we're not living in this like petri pod where we get to kind of decide when and where our anxiety is going to hit or how it's going to manifest. And so right. if we can create that like flexibility of it, of like, yeah, so it's awesome to have that goal of one hour a day of writing and to really be mindful with yourself of like, okay, if I'm going to open the computer and I'm hit with this huge wave of anxiety and pressure, like that's not going to be where your best work is coming from. I know. So what it's can you do to help get you from that 10 out of 10 to like a seven out of 10 so that you can at least access the parts of your brain that are going to be helpful in your writing? Because when we're in like fight or flight mentality or out of our window of tolerance, our frontal cortex shuts down which is where we make decisions from mm. so like being able to actually ground and calm yourself in those moments so that you can then get access versus trying to like fight through something that systematically your body's like, no, we're not right. doing this right now. 
Yeah. And my body's not doing it right now. That's what's been happening. It's been like, no, let's just Google Sebastian Stan a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm loving your Marvel fascination recently. (laughs) It's so fun. It's so fun. That was a good shift that I made. That was a really like, it was a strong move. Um, and I'm, I'm watching them with my friend, obviously not, not like in the same place, but we will, Mm -hmm. we're going through all of them now in order. Cause he, so I finished, uh, do you, are you into Marvel? Will you know like what I'm referring to? Um, a little bit. I mostly know because of Iron Man and Tony Stark and sharing the name. Um, oh yes. Oh my gosh. You have so many things. <laughs> one of our first conversations for, for anyone who's listening, one of Edie and my first conversations was about the Starks of Winterfell. And she does not, you do not watch, or you did not watch Game of Thrones, which is I just, do not. I watched the last season because I was forced to by my husband. Oh, but that was um, good. That one was bad. And it was before that, I'd only seen um, the Red Wedding episode. And oh, jeez, so- <laughs> you're seeing all of the worst. I mean, the Red Wedding yeah. was like, it was good TV, but it was just horrible. Yeah, I'm very sensitive, hence why I have an affinity for things like Bravo. Um, yeah. They don't, they don't create nightmares for weeks. <laughs> That's so funny. I really, like, I cannot watch horror films. I cannot, like, I will get ill. Like, I will develop a fever. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's happened to me before. And I will like, think about it. I will lie in bed for three nights, just like thinking about it. But for Mm -hmm. some reason I could handle Game of Thrones and I don't know why. Like, I don't know. I'm not quite sure what, where, where the line or what the line is or where the line is that makes me not be able to handle any sort of horror, but fully okay to handle Game of Thrones. I'm just not sure what that is. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I would think it's maybe because it's like mythological. I think so. Like I think it's separation. clear enough that this is a different world from mine. I think that's mm-hmm. what it is. I don't know though, but man, I loved it. Those first six seasons. <sighs> if anyone's listening and really <laughs> bored and really looking for something <laughs> genuinely good for six seasons, and then mediocre for the seventh season, and then kind of shitting the bed for the last season watch game of thrones yeah i mean i can you will be let down (laughs) yeah i can attest that it was definitely well done like even in you said like the worst of the seasons like it was well done the The production amazing the production value and the acting is great but they just expedited it they like rushed it compared to the way that it was before where it was like You'd never seen it on TV before where they spent so much intricate time developing characters, developing plot points. Like it was, it was spectacular because of that. And then they just, it really, what happened is they went beyond the books and they, they were impatient, these two showrunners, and they didn't, like they were offered multiple, multiple seasons and they're like, nah, we can do it quick. And that's what they did. They literally were like, we'll just like throw some spaghetti on the wall and like, and move on. Oh, I'm so mad. I'm really mad. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I mean, when you've invested that much time, I mean, that's kind of like lost 
for me. Oh like, yeah. That was another one. This is also another one. If you guys have time and availability and access. Um, it's really good until you get really let down. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> it's a big come down. It's a big one, but it's still worth it. I would still encourage because like the most of the show, majority is of really the time watching it is really good. I agree. I mean, I even feel that way. I love The Office so much. Like I think my favorite TV shows are Game of Thrones and The Office, but even The Office's last two seasons are not so great. So, you know, we all suffer. We all uh, struggle. <laughs> even yeah. the best of I've us. Have you watched um, Some Good News by John Krasinski? You know, I just watched the first episode, but he has more and I should be watching it. Are you watching them? I am. I'm, I'm, I love them. So oh, much. I can't believe I haven't watched them all. I think he started doing them once I started becoming obsessed with Marvel and Sebastian Stan. And so all of my YouTube time is spent uh you know just being a crazy like being like a like a stan like a stalker fan of sebastian stan I'm just look at you with the lingo yeah i'm like a kid <laughs> i sometimes i it, <laughs> i love learning the new lingo i see like i would say the majority of my practice is call young college students or like in that age range and so hearing the new window is like my favorite I know you probably like get more I feel like I'm I'm still super behind I have a I have my little sister is 23 so I feel like she like keeps me a little bit a little bit informed um but she's really my only access to like that age she are you there yeah oh, okay sorry <laughs> Well, I Sorry. didn't have anything else good to say, so it doesn't even. Matter. <laughs> um, what else? So, what have you been baking? Um, I've attempted bread three times, and it's gotten. The first one was pretty good. The second one was bad, and the third one was the best. Um, but I am also a pretty impatient person, so having to wait for the bread to rise for twelve hours is like really hard. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> So I have to like do it before bed so that it's like, I don't think about it because otherwise I just see the bowl sitting there and I'm like, I just want, oh, want it. So you let it, ri you let it rise overnight. I've never made bread. I'm like, I'm not a very good cook. I just, I like to eat and not cook. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so you let I it rise actually, overnight. Yeah. So I actually had this conversation with my husband on our walk last night. He was like, do you think that you, your love for cooking and baking is amplified because you don't have to clean up? And I said, 1000%. Like um, he cleans and he loves doing dishes and stuff. So it's oh, scary. wow. I know. That's it's, it's like, I, excellent. I'm very lucky um, and very, very grateful because I like, it's like a tornado goes off. I'm not like a clean cook. Um, I'm very messy because I just like want to get things done and I'm very yes. focused. And so then I don't have to deal with the consequences of my actions because <laughs> he cleans up. That's so great. <laughs> uh, maybe I would, honestly, I might cook more then because yeah. I, that's my thinking. I'm like, why would I make a huge mess if I could just not make a huge mess and eat this boring thing that I already have? Like, that's literally okay. the way my brain works. I'm like, I don't want to wash a million bowls. I just want to, not be hungry anymore. So I, Absolutely. yeah, that, that's a huge piece of it for me. Wow. All right. I'm going to put that on my dating profile. You have to like <laughs> <Yeah>. cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. 
Um, I do want to quickly go back to what we like kind of started talking about and why we wanted to do this podcast, which is like navigating the diet messaging. Yes, please. In media. Um, And just, I think, you know, I'm still working through this. Again, I don't have like a beautiful answer for people listening, but what's helped been so helpful for me is to just like let myself feel that disappointment and anger versus like just washing over it or ignoring it or, you know, spiraling out about it, but like really just like taking a moment of being like, I feel angry that this person who I really admire and love is saying fat phobic stuff. Or I'm feeling really like sad that, you know, this is the norm that I'm seeing that like, you know, on most network TV shows, there's no body diversity. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have, you know, any representation of what a lot of people in this world look like, like whether that is from a weight point or a race point or a religious point. I mean, like, there's just not a lot of diversity and being able to just like sit with that fact of like, this is a big thing. And I want to also own, like I have so much privilege in my reaction to this. And I own that a hundred percent of like, it's upsetting to me, but it's not, it's I'm represented. I'm everywhere. So it's not the same as the pain and the heart and the harm that it can cause to someone who might not be represented. Um, But I'm curious for you too, of like, with you know your platform and like how and your book and like all of this incredible work that you've done like how it affects you to see like your favorite things and this going on and how you navigate it because I would love some more tips it's it's such a good question I just I really do like like to use say Vanderpump Rules or the Real Housewives as an example Mm -hmm. I notice like I I I have a lot, you know, I think we both have a lot of awareness around what is diet culture at this point, which I think is really helpful because I'm able to like identify it and see Mm -hmm. it as like a separate thing and not just like a fact, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know that that's helpful to be like, Ooh, that comment that was because of diet culture and that and that, and they're doing that. And they're doing all this plastic surgery because that's so normalized. And like the, like I'm aware, I have a lot of awareness around what that means, why it exists, how harmful it is, how this, you know, it, in some ways, Bravo is kind of commenting on and exploiting the, you know, how extreme it is with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also does normalize it because it's, you know, you're on this journey with these people who like look slightly different every year, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I then try to notice like, I try to notice if like weird little thoughts are creeping in like, oh, well, like, you know, I, I don't know this almost like plastic surgery. I'm like, I'm, I almost like cocking my head at my TV at like how normal it is for them. And like my head sort of swirls around and I notice myself like thinking about like, well, is that normal? And then I'm able to like, when I notice that it's kind of like sinking into my head, like I'm, um, and this is some, I really am very, um, suggestible. Like I, Mm -hmm. I'm very, I'm very gullible. I'm very easily swayed. I like, I really, I really feel that the things that I'm watching on TV is especially, um, stories like not reality TV, but I feel like it's real and it's happening to me. So I really Mm -hmm. have to do a lot of work to like separate 
and it, yeah. and it takes, you know, because like I, it will linger with me. And then I have to be like, Ooh, that weird thought or that judgment about yourself is happening because of fucking Vanderpump rules, Caroline. And yeah. I can't, like, I have to, I have to stay so aware and then I'm able to identify it and like separate myself from it. But it definitely exists. Like it definitely is something like it's so clear watching these shows after having a period of of not watching them it's so clear how much our media and the images that we see brainwash us to believe that is the way that we should be like it it's it's clear as day it's it's like direct cause and effect um so i just you know because i love i love tv and i love movies and i love stories and and it's heartbreaking to me that you know there is this and i think it's changing a teeny teeny tiny bit which is good but this kind of like unspoken thing that like beautiful skinny people get their stories told and everybody else just doesn't everybody else is just mm-hmm. a side character um, yeah. or the inverse of that is it turns into like a sensationalist exploitive yes version of their story yes right? like when exactly. we look at like the horrific shows like the biggest loser or uh-huh. that what's the kardashian like chloe's breakup body oh, God, revenge yeah. body like yeah. where they're like co-opting language trying to make it seem like this is for the better or this is for the good or this is for quote-unquote health but really it's just this really amplified fat phobic and harmful narrative that if you are in this type of body it's wrong and the only way you will receive love and all of these things is if you change that yeah drives me bananas it's awful and i don't watch those shows like i i don't watch those shows and i never really have i mean like I've never really watched any weight loss shows, even in my dieting days. So I don't even, ha- and I don't want to start now, you know, no, don't. <laughs> I don't, even, I don't even, I obviously wouldn't do it for my own entertainment, but I would only do it to like have the context to be able to even speak to it when people ask mm-hmm. me questions about it and this and that. But I don't even like people ask me about, uh, my 600 pound life all of the time. Mm-hmm. And they mostly are like, tell me your thoughts on it. What do you think about it? What do you really think they're healthy? Like I get, I get either that or I get like, tell me your thoughts on it. And I'm like, I've never seen it. I don't have any thoughts on it except that I've heard, (laughs) I've heard other people's critiques of it. And I, you know, so I don't know. That's another interesting thing of like protecting myself and like Mm -hmm. not give and not, um, there are also like a lot of like newer diets that I've never heard of because I'm not, in a place where I'm dieting, but I'm like, oh, people are asking me about this diet that I've never heard of. I can't even speak to it because I don't know what it is, you know? And I know that it's probably just some version of some other diet that I did, you know, 15 years ago, but I, I kind of like, I'm trying to figure out, well, should I, do I need to like be up on everything to to be able to speak to it? Or can I just like, you know, have, can I have some time (laughs) where I'm not thinking about diets? and weight loss you know absolutely and I mean I like that happens to me too where you know a client will bring up to me some new diet that's going on and ask me my thoughts and you know I'll ask like some curious questions of you know why are you asking and like give me like a brief synopsis and I'm like but if it's being marketed to be a miracle cure 
or to change your body in any way or has restriction, then it's a diet and I don't approve. Like, oh yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't need to know like the ins and outs or the like inner workings of, or the streamlined version of the diet to know that it's probably really problematic. Exactly. I mean, that, that is the one thing that I am able to say. I'm like, if you're asking me about a diet, it is a diet, like basically. Right. <laughs> Yeah. But I'm not able to speak to the specific rules or any of that because I just don't know it and I don't want to know it, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't either. And it's like, it, uh, yeah, I mean, I could probably talk about this for way too long, but well, it's we'll, just, have to do an, we'll have to do another yeah. one <laughs> when we're in quarantine in two months, two months from now. I really <laughs> hope we are not. I really hope we are not, but who knows? I know. I know. Well, Ooh. until then, until our second chat, Will you let everyone know where they can find you online? Yes. Um, so I am the most active on Instagram, which is at E-D-E-D-I-E, -E, Stark Therapy, S-T-A-R-K, and then therapy. Um, and I also have like, there, it's linked to Facebook, but I literally never go on it. So please don't try and contact me on there. <laughs> I won't see it. <laughs> I feel the same yeah, I actually, I had to log in there for like, there was like a security thing and I had to like, it's connected to Facebook. And I got so anxious just looking at that, that I was like, I'm not even, I don't even need this double security. Like I just can't do it. Um, but yeah. And then my website's www.edstark.com, E-D-I-E, one D, not Eddie. Um, <laughs> Stark as in Eddie. Stark as in Tony Stark or Arya Stark. Yep. Um, pretty cool. I'm pretty famous. Um, <laughs> you have famous a lot artists. of famous family members. <laughs> I'm so jealous of you. You can go to this episode's show notes to find the link to follow Edie Stark on Instagram. She's an awesome follow. And also a big thank you to this episode's sponsors, Caitlin Olson, the therapist and boundaries coach, Anna Sweeney, an anti-diet dietitian offering free virtual connection, and Simibotics Body Positive Bar Membership Unmeasured. You can find all of them in this episode's show notes. So if you have a listener story that you want to send in that you think would be helpful, what the heck was that? You think it would be, oh my goodness. I mean, have I said this before, but they were doing construction next door and they've been doing it for fucking three years and I'm over it. But okay, back to what I wanted to say. And Molly barks at them and blah, blah, blah. If you have an inspiring story that you think the people who are in the beginning of their journey healing their relationship with food would benefit from, you can send those to podcast at carolineduner.com. If you are an aligned business or coach or practitioner and you would like to partner with this podcast, you can check out thefuckadiet.com slash advertise and be sure to email me so we can make sure that you're a good fit. Um, I vet everyone, but if you're interested you can check that out, shoot me an email, and we can go from there. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're all doing okay. I will be back in two weeks with a new episode for you, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.